Hey everyone, I'm your host Tom Shaughnessy and welcome back to Chain Reaction, a research-driven podcast that's a part of Delphi Digital. If you're not on Delphi's research portal, you're missing out on the critical analysis read by the top minds in the crypto space, so be sure to check it out. One quick housekeeping item, nothing said on this podcast is a solicitation to buy or sell any security or token or to make any financial decisions. I may personally hold tokens mentioned on the podcast, and you can view our show notes below for our complete disclosures. With that, let's jump into the episode. What's up, everyone? Good morning. Um, 8 a.m. here in uh, Eastern Time Zone. Today, we got a really special guest. We got um, Guy Lawrence from Disclosure. I don't know if you guys need an introduction, but they're probably you know our favorite music uh, duo, and you know probably responsible for some of the best songs of the past decade. Um, Guy, uh, how you doing? Doing good, man. Great intro. I love that. You can uh, you can definitely <laughs> intro me as many times as you like with uh, with that level of positivity. Always, yeah, it's my pleasure. Um, and as guest hosts, we got Jan and Anch, my other uh, partners that also participated in the disclosure NFT sale. We basically bought their face, um, which we'll get into a little later, and uh, also bought this with um, B uh, Blockchain Capitals, Derek and Alex. Uh, which you know, shout out to those guys. Yeah, what's up, Jan Anch? How's it going? What's going on, everyone? Nice. Um, yeah, I guess you know. For those who you know actually don't know who you are, which uh, hopefully not that many people, give a little bit of background, give, give some context for you know how you got into music, how you got into crypto, and just like you know who Disclosure is. Yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, I'm Guy Lawrence, one half of the band Disclosure. We're from the UK, and we've been together now. Well, he's my brother, so we've known each other <laughs> a bloody long time. But um, yeah, we've been doing music as Disclosure together for about ten years now. And um, yeah, it's been a, a crazy, a crazy decade. So when we started, I think I was 17 or 18, Howard was 15, which is wild. And yeah, basically we've, throughout the last 10 years, we've, we've released three albums, uh, done a bunch of remixes, EPs, singles, toured all over the world. Um, you might know us for songs like Latch, White Noise, Holding On, but we've also produced a lot for other people too, like Mac Miller. Yeah, there's a bunch. You can, you can go and check us out. I won't dwell on it too long but uh yeah it's electronic music house music dance music really we make music for the club for people to, to get down to on a friday night and um yeah of, of more recent times we've uh we finished our record deal so we, we originally signed with island records for, for three albums completed that contract and um since then have been experimenting a lot in the uh, crypto nft space uh, as a new way to look at releasing music in a uh I would say more equitable, fairer way in the artist's favor, um, and also in the fans' favor. Really, you know, in, in terms of getting fans more engaged in a one-on-one -on -one relationship with the artist. I think the the thing that swung it for me mostly was was that I, I was quite aware that when I press play on Spotify or Apple, that that wasn't doing my favorite artists any favors anymore. That wasn't really supporting them. That was just me listening to their music, and it won't get back to them. And I've always felt like, oh, that's a shame. You know, there's, there's no real way of showing your support for the artist unless you go to the show. And in a year where all the shows can't happen, this seemed like the most game-changing moment to me. And so, yeah, done a couple of auctions now. Uh, I made a song live on Twitch and sold that uh, as an NFT. And then we also recently auctioned off the Disclosure Face Photoshop file, um, the original one, which we've used for our artwork over the years um, in many different ways, um, which 
you guys at Delphi and uh, Blockchain Capital managed to grab, which is was which is awesome. Um, I'm really happy it went to you guys because uh, not only are you kind of in this space that I'm interested in, but you are fans also. So I'm really happy that it went to you lot. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, fans first, honestly. Yeah, I guess let's dive right, right into the auction, right? Um, Ansh, you want to give some context for you know how this went down, and then we can just kind of you know walk through our process on the bidding side. Sure. So essentially, um, as Guy mentioned, we kind of um, participated in this auction to buy the original artwork of the disclosure face uh, packaged as an NFT, which uh, acted as a perpetual ticket for whoever the holder of the NFT was, along with several friends. I think that number was negotiable, as you had mentioned. I think it said three friends, but you know. <laughs> well, I was more. imagining that one person would own it and bring three friends, but now I'm learning that many people own it. So I don't know <laughs> how we're going to work that out. <laughs> welcome, welcome to crypto. We kind of yeah. uh, dice stuff up, and multiple ownership is nothing new here. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so I think I mean I want to hand it off to you to talk about exactly kind of the genesis of the auction. But we had found out about a lot of it uh, through Twitter, through socials, and. We kind of definitely had to get involved. So I can go into the bidding process, but I wanted to at least first hand it off to you talk about how specifically you guys um, decided on this piece of artwork to be the piece that you know would be the NFT. Yeah, so I, I think, um, I mean, so it's the second NFT we've, we did, um, but it's the first, I would say, more like historical thing that we've done. You know, the face has been with us for many, many years since the beginning, really. I've used it to make artwork for us myself. It's been in the live show. It's been on album covers, single covers, merch. You know, it's really like the brand of the band. Um, and so I felt that it was a really good thing to, that it would be a good thing to sell to a real fan and raise some money for charity along the way and also raise some money for the original artist who drew the face itself uh, for Roxy. Um, because, yeah, she's not, I don't think she's really very widely known for, have been credited for doing that work and so this is finally a way we can do that um from you know over the last 10 years so those were the, the reasons for doing it but you know this space is pretty busy at the moment everyone's talking about nfts and so i'm always trying to think of new ways to just you know do something original with it and so you know although auctioning off a piece of your history as a band is not maybe not that new doing a live auction on Twitch while I DJ was definitely a new idea. And so that was the the selling point for me. And what engaged me with wanting to do it was the fact that, you know, I could not only raise some money and, you know, sell it off, um, you know, using Zora, which was the exchange that I, I chose to use. But while doing it, I would be DJing on Twitch live to anyone who wanted to watch and you guys while you bid just to make it a bit more fun than, you know, staring at you know, numbers on the screen. And I think it worked. I think that, you know, even the people who couldn't necessarily afford to join the bidding war could still enjoy the music and still see the numbers coming in and chat about it. So yeah, I just, I'm, I'm always trying to think of ways that we can bring our fans closer to us and each other. Twitch and Discord have been a major part of that. And I think without them, I wouldn't have had the idea actually to do the auction this way. I wouldn't have thought, how can we incorporate it all into one thing? So that was from my side of it. Um, in, in terms of the bidding side of it, maybe you want to talk about it. I mean, I chose Zora specifically because I like the bidding system so much on there. I think it's the the best one. They really focus on like bidder identity and, you know, all of that thing. So maybe that appealed to you guys as well. 
Yeah, I think uh, like we would have probably done it wherever it was, just given what we were bidding on. But uh, mm-hmm. I guess from our perspective, yeah, we saw that the auction was going on and very unique style to kind of the close of the auction for those listening who maybe don't, don't know. I think, how long was the auction in terms of days? Well, uh, about I think it was like two and a half days, something like that. Yeah, I put it so- up on Wednesday night, Friday night, it went up. And I said that it was going to end at, at 9 p.m. GMT. But yeah, the, the catch was if a new highest bid entered in the last 10 minutes of the auction, I would reset the clock for another 10 minutes and keep DJ. So, you know, it was not only a, a bid to win, it was keep guy playing and keep getting him drunker as well as also. And I, think, uh, I think you, see, you said that you'd play until Sunday, Monday even, whatever it took, as long as the bids kept coming in, you, you would continue playing, right? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. 100%. I've definitely played way longer sets than that. Um, so it, it could have been. But uh, yeah, you know, you I think we're, we're still relatively new to this scene. So I don't, I don't feel like there was tons of collectors looking at it, but that's fine. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm still wanting to experiment in this world before we make our real big statement. And, you know, we've got some big plans coming up in terms of releases and how we're going to do that in the NFT space. And so, you know, this is still kind of testing the water and, and you know, Again, just trying to make it all about giving back charitable donations, making sure Roxy gets paid, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's it's not just about let's make sure we get as much capital as possible. You know, I'm super glad it went to you guys because now we're doing this. You know, that's what it's all about for me. Yeah. Yeah. So when we were kind of deciding whether we should bid, we wanted to participate no matter what, just to kind of say we did it. Uh, just again, given that you guys are a disclosure and it, it was right in our wheelhouse as far as NFTs. So I think it was, we were watching it, we were tracking it. And then Friday morning, our time, I kind of shot out a feeler text in one of our group chats saying, hey, whoever wants to kind of pull some capital, we're going to try. Of course, I'll just refund it back if we don't win, but we have to try, right? And so I think the three of us uh, initially were, were the ones on the Duffy side that just said, okay, let's all throw some money in an address. And once the music starts, uh, two hours before the auction kind of officially ended, perhaps, uh, we, we would kind of start putting in some bids. And so we were tracking it pretty closely the whole time. And then I think once the once the music started was when people started to, you know, of course, put in bids, knowing that it could take hours or maybe days. Um, and it, it was just a really fun, albeit stressful process where we were kind of just watching, waiting. And if we put in the high bid, then the clock started and it was the longest 10 or 20 minutes of your life, just waiting for it to go down. And uh-huh. thankfully we ended up winning, but it, it was a hell of a time just watching you play. Uh, Cause we were following along on the Twitch stream as well. And it, it was just great seeing the feedback of when you would say, oh, Delphi's back with another high bid, and we would see the same thing. We would see people going nuts um, in the chat as well. And I think, Anil, you had mentioned that um, we even got tons of new followers on our Twitter account just because, you know, it's not a lot of cross-pollination between maybe Disclosure Twitch viewers and just your usual crypto folks on Twitter. So everyone was kind of interested in seeing who we were. Yeah, exactly. And I think... um yeah, the great thing about the auction, right? Um, I wrote some stats down. It was like 32 total bits were given by 14 different bidders. I think the fun part was like five different currencies were used, obviously, um, classics like mm. ETH, USDC. But then we had some uh, you know, alternative currencies like Friends with Benefits, RAC, and then uh, SOX, which kind of made you know, the live stream a lot of fun when kind of all <laughs> your you know, fans and uh, uh, Twitch uh, streamers were basically like, you know, wh- wh- what the hell are SOX? And um, it, I, I thought it was a great I mean, way to like, like onboard new people. 
<laughs> yeah. And like, how is this sock worth, you know, at that time it was around 80, 90 grand. And, uh, we were over here bidding. 000. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, no, that, that, that was, uh, that was great. Um, yeah, I mean, like, it'd be great to learn more about like, you know, what's, what's next as far as the NFT thing goes, like, um, for you guys, I think you guys have, you know, paced yourselves quite, you know, well, I think some artists don't realize that this is like a, you know, multi, you know, year, multi-decade type thing. So, uh, you have some artists out there that, um, maybe dropping, you know, 50, hundred pieces, but you know, some artists like loud do it in very unique ways, very concentrated ways, but, um, you don't want to oversaturate the market anytime soon. Like would love to hear, you know, any ideas that you can share. I'm sure there's some that you want to kind of keep secret for now. Yeah, I'll definitely keep a few few back, but I can say like the next plan of what it will be will be something extremely affordable and for the fans to own. You know, um, we've done two things now that have gone to collectors like yourselves. Um, and so, you know, I think now it's the time to, to start doing a more social thing where we can give back for the hard work that our fans have put into supporting our work or following us or, um, yeah, like the Twitch crew, really, because Discord and Twitch do a fantastic job at really allowing you to see, you know, which ones of your fans are in that top 5%, which ones are in the top 20%, and then who just kind of wants to listen to Latch a couple of times a year in a field and have a dance, you know, all valid fans. Um, but, you know, those guys can just live on Spotify and Apple. The guys who really want to be involved with us, you know, they ask me, please let me be a moderator on the chat. You know, what can I do to like get uh, early announcements for tickets? What can I do so I know when something's coming? Like, I'll help you, like whatever you need. And Discord and Twitch have allowed me to kind of put my fans to work a little bit and then you can reward them for that. And so I think the next thing we do, whatever that is artistically, will be focused at them taking some ownership um, of something. And then, yeah, beyond that, I want to do just some really fantastic art as we always do. I mean, the good thing for me about this space is that as a musician coming into it, it's a very collaborative space. Musicians come in and they immediately need to find a graphic designer or an animator of some kind. And I think it's very easy to see the money grabs when people just come in, grab someone and just put out a bunch of NFTs with some pretty simple artwork and a little loop, um, you know, and that, and that's fine. But like you said, this is a, you know, years, decades project. And, and I really see it like that. And that's why I've been on Clubhouse all the time talking about it, doing stuff like this, talking about it, because like I'm in it for the long haul. Um, and I like it because the process of how I've made my music with Howard over the last 10 years has always been collaborative as well. You know, I will hit up whichever singer or rapper it is that I like and be like, hey, do you want to work on something? I don't know what that is, but let's let's try and make it. And that's exactly the same as this scene. You know, you hit up artists and graphic designers. Um, but, you know, it, it's done very respectfully, I've seen so far. Um, and if you don't do it respectfully and, you know, you don't approach it in a very 50-50, everyone gets paid, it's fair kind of way, you're going to get shut down really fast, you know, or people won't want to work with you. And, and I get that, you know, every song that I've made, you know, we always negotiate fairly the splits. It's just the label always take most of it. So now it's a time where you can negotiate splits with individuals who are actually working on it and everyone gets paid and everyone gets paid for the rest of time on the resales, which is why it's brilliant. And so, yeah, I'm doing the same thing I do with music, man, hitting up graphic designers and illustrators that I think are dope and seeing what they want to do. And um, yeah, I won't I won't say too much about where or how we're going to drop stuff yet. But um, yeah, it's it's such a, a creative time. I think I said to you guys yesterday, it's like 
I don't think I've ever been excited about music distribution. It's just not a subject that's very fun to talk about for me. <laughs> and now it is. Now it's like, wow, there's so many options out there. There's so many avenues. There's so many people making so many platforms and ideas floating around there. You know, it's just a race at the moment of who has the newest, freshest, best idea with a cool user interface, you know, all those things. Um, and it's it's a real privilege to be able to just come into the scene free with already, you know, a big following and using that wisely, you know, and not just trying to grab a load of cash, trying to do something smart with it. Yeah. And, and yeah, like you alluded to in terms of uh, the value kind of getting passed down to the artists is that creator share, which I think is, is really important where, in, you know, in, in traditional uh, situations, once the art is sold, the artist really doesn't see much of that. And it's uh, everyone who's selling in the secondary market that kind of keeps the profit. But yeah. with these NFTs, you kind of, just for the audience, it's basically a programmed in uh, 30% creator share, which means of every future sale, the artist gets a piece of, of each secondary market sale. So they, they kind of get to benefit from the appreciation of, of their art and, and the future value of it, which I think is you know massively yeah. important just to kind of keep them because oftentimes they, they kind of go a bit forgotten. Yeah, and think about how much that'll help ticket sales as well. Like for people who are you know standing outside the venue selling a ticket for double what I sold it, you know, that can be okay now because they can do that if they want, but we would still get paid for that secondary sale of their ridiculously inflated ticket price, you know? So for scalpers, you know, who stand outside the venue now, this is even going to change things like that and make it more favorable to the artists. You know, it really is a across the board, like game changing moment for streams, for sales, for ticket sales, for merch, everything is going to, if you incorporate this tech in there, I think it's, it's going to, I, I mean, either the music industry is going to have to adapt quick and change like what the industry standard is because the industry standard compared to this looks kind of bad. You know, this is not as good as what you can do with these NFTs. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, going back to what you just said too, like one of the most exciting parts about what's going on in the NFT movement right now is like, you know, over the past few years, NFTs have existed for a couple of years now, right? Um, and in the past few years, you've had, you know, us, you know, crypto nerds, just kind of like steering the ship, you know, uh, laying the groundwork, doing all the infrastructure work. And now we actually have, you know, all these artists kind of flocking to the space. And, you know, your creative energy is kind of like exactly what we needed to kind of unlock the potential for NFTs and how they, you know, play with music. And obviously we wouldn't be able to make an impact in the music industry without kind of, you know, big artists like yourselves. So, yeah, I'd love to kind of, you know, hear about how you're, you know, one, how you kind of think about, you know, NFTs and also like, are you talking to your fans, other artists about these? Like, how do you, how do you like think of NFTs and explain it to them? Yeah. So, I mean, if I was to explain them on a very basic level for what they can do for me. So the way they work is, you know, they're, they're basically a tokenized version of your work. So they don't, uh, you know, hold any copyright to the material. They don't hold any rights to the material unless you specify that. And that's what you're actually auctioning. So like, for instance, you know, you guys don't now own the rights to the face. You just own the one and only tokenized version, which is a bit weird to get your head around when you first start learning about the space because, you know, it's, it's digital. It's not like you'll ever hold it um, in your hands. I guess you could display it on a cool screen or whatever. But, you know, I think the best example is... <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, I really hope you do. You should. Yeah, the best way to think about it for me and what changed, made the light bulb go on for me is was when I thought about Pokemon cards. You know, if you buy a rare, shiny Charizard card, you know, 
that has worth because it has cultural worth because it's a piece of history that's you know amazing it's artistic because it's like a cool looking little thing but you know you don't then own shares in pokemon for the ownership of that card you just own like a piece of the journey that pokemon were on and it like represents worth and so and you know that's what artists are now doing digitally we're like putting out into the blockchain an authenticated by the artist token that represents a piece of our history or is just a cool piece of art that you actually like that can be a one of one or a one of a thousand or however you want to do it like when an artist reprints a painting or you know makes merch and it doesn't decrease the value of the original you know if if anything like with the mona lisa for instance that's a one of one but there's millions of t-shirts with the mona lisa on it you know and that actually adds to the value of the original Mona Lisa because it represents there's a huge cultural worth of that painting. You know, if everyone stopped giving a shit about the Mona Lisa, it would be worth less. So that's how I viewed it. I was like, people really care about disclosure, you know, not as much as the Mona Lisa, but enough people. And that face represents that cultural idea that we're good at what we do and people like our work. And so that's why you kind of tokenize it. And it's about that transaction on the blockchain like as the nft enters the blockchain that's what you're bidding on you're bidding on that moment and that transaction and that code and the ownership over that moment so i don't think it will be for everyone you know some people like tactile things they can hold and have fine you know the the paintings and the art world might be for you but you know as a musician i've been very used to considering like an mp3 as art for 10 years now you know we all know an mp3 is art you can't hold it, whatever, you can hear it. But, you know, I just see it like that. You know, you're, you're taking ownership over a digital code that only you can have. And then the real world experiences that you can build into that, I think is the real killer, killer selling point. You know, the fact that you guys now own my NFT, you can come to any disclosure show you want in the world and, and you'll get in. That's cool, you know, and that's just the one like, first idea we've had. You could do upfront exclusive merch. You could do upfront exclusive tickets. You could do a secret hidden channel on the Discord that only you guys can enter if you have the NFT in your wallet. The possibilities are endless, and the best thing about it is you don't need a middleman to help you make it happen. You know, you can just do it from me to you completely safely using the blockchain, and it's beautiful, you know? It's a really interesting system, man, and... For me, it's lucky that I've just become unsigned at this exact moment, or I wouldn't be able to capitalize as much on it as as we are. So, yeah, it's a nice nice bit of luck there for sure. Yeah, and I think you know something that you mentioned that was interesting is the 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 tangible uh, need for something to be tangible or just digital. I think you know as everyone becomes a bit more digitally native, particularly as you know generations kind of grow into that, I think it becomes a, a much more commonplace, uh, and, and and it becomes really normalized for a lot of people rather than you know harping on the fact that it's something purely digital versus something purely physical. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're a musician and you do a digital only release, like no CDs, no vinyl, how is that any different? Like we've been doing that for ages. Um, gamers are used to this as well, you know, buying things in a game to play the game. It's like you just bought a sword in a game, you know, for real money. Some people might think that's insane, but for you, because you're on that journey in the game, like it means something. So it's all about where you draw meaning from, I suppose. You know, that's another reason I like the NFT space. It does raise deep questions about like, what is art? You know, do we consider this art? If you don't, fine, it's not for you, don't bid. Um, but if you do, I think it's the most exciting thing happening in the art world at the moment. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, that's why we were so excited to, uh, you know, bid and eventually win this space as well, right? For us, like, one, like you said, 
uh, the face is like synonymous with your brand. Like I think anyone who's listened to Disclosure, even if they've only heard Latch or watched the music video of Latch, like the face is everywhere. It's on every album cover for yeah. us. Um, you know, we, we, we absolutely love that. And I think, um, you know, you hit a really good point there where you were saying, you know, this actually like allows fans to participate in the journey with the artists, right? Over the past few years, we've already had apps like Cameo and Clubhouse, which are already kind of debundling the interactions between artists and fans. So you're already kind of seeing like, you know, 10 years ago, I think people uh, realizing they could sit in on conversations with their, you know, heroes, their favorite artists um, on an app like Clubhouse, like was unthinkable, right? And now it's kind of like come in common day practice. You're hopping on there like every day with like Dylan Francis, Diplo, all those guys. Um, and yeah, I, I think that's actually, you know, huge. And, you know, to some degree too, right? Like the way that we saw it was, um, owning the face was almost like starting to build this on-chain identity of Delphi. And for us, it was like a no-brainer to have disclosure as part of that. And, you know, you guys are so early in this movement that um, this NFT was like such a low-hanging fruit for us to buy. Like, we, we honestly thought it was going to go for multiples that, uh, than what we paid for it. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it, I thought it would go for a hundred. So for me, I'm happy. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Also, we did it on Zora. You know, it's like if we'd done it on Nifty Gateway, I'm sure it would have been loads more. But again, you know, I'm I'm not really doing this for the money. I'm doing this to push the tech and to set a precedent of like how it can be done. Um, you know, along with people like Blau and you know people. You know, these guys who are just like the kings of NFT world at the moment. You know, I've been talking with them for for months now and very lucky to have been put in contact with them because they've helped me learn this quick because you have to learn it fast. You know, it's not every musician is going to get their head around this, but if you can, um, it's, it should be utilized, I think as quickly as you can, you know, if you're an indie artist right now and you've got major labels trying to sign you, I would consider that very carefully, um, or at least consider the part of the contract that is about NFTs, or if there isn't a part in the contract about NFTs, make sure there is, because it's going to be, you know, my contract with Ireland, you know, before it, I signed that in 2012, that didn't contain very much about streaming because subscription-based streaming services didn't exist really then. You had iTunes, you know, you could buy songs. So when subscription-based streaming services went through the roof, you know, that I didn't really capitalize on that because there's nothing in the contract about it. Well, now it's like the flip, you know, now NFTs are here, which are hugely in the artist's favor and the labels are like, well, what do we do? And so this is like the other way around now. So yeah, my advice would be, yeah, consider your contracts very carefully. If, if you're an artist about to sign, um, check out what you can do with this world because uh, it's pretty much a world where middlemen don't exist. <laughs> yeah, I think you kind of nailed that uh, a few times just in the last, uh, whatever, half hour, um, talking about how we're taking out the middleman. That's kind of the the thesis for a lot of different crypto projects is like going full peer-to-peer, -peer, whatever that looks like, that sort of interaction. But uh, I guess one quick one is, do you, did you talk to people about getting an everyday of, of disclosure? I did, I spoke to people, I mean, probably six weeks ago. So like before things went completely mental for him, like before the 6.6 .6 million thing landed. And um, funnily enough, he actually made a visualizer for one of my songs like five years ago, and it's on his YouTube page. You can still see it. Um, it was to one of my out. songs called, um, I think it's Grab Her. He used Grab Her off the first album. Nice. It's like this purple tube thing, like moving along. And yeah, you know, it, it's, it's amazing how many artists in this world have at some point done visuals for festivals, for bands. You know, most of them have been like, oh, yeah, I did Skrillex's show at this point, or I did Zed's show for this festival. And now, like, rightly so, they're all getting their moment in the limelight because, you know, most of those guys, um, 
you know, you go to a Skrillex show and you leave and you go, wow, Skrillex was amazing, which he is. Um, but part of that amazingness is the lights and the visuals. And no one knows that person's name, you know, when they get home. It's just all a Skrillex bubble. And, you know, those visuals are probably now owned by Skrillex and he owns the rights to them and all that. Well, now it's a kind of more collaborative process where the artist and the musician are both getting recognition and both getting paid at the same time for their art. Because, like, let's face it, the visuals are fucking important and usually made from scratch and super artistic. And those people have just kind of not really had the recognition they deserve for a long time. So it's good to see that, you know, I think it's, it's about, it's about time. Like I'd be pissed off if I was a graphic designer and I'd basically just been drawing, sell it. And then it's not mine anymore. That's exactly what it's like for musicians who sign to labels. You know, you make it, you don't own it. The other, other guy does. And so that's what, what I'm saying with, with peer to peer is like, there can be middlemen, but they're just there for that one instance of the sale. You know, you do the work, you get paid and then everyone, everybody leaves and moves on. There's no like, we do the work. Oh, but now we own all of your stuff. Like that's just a bad model. I don't know how we ended up there. You know, it's, it's crazy. You don't, you don't go yeah. do an art gallery and then, you know, the gallery take some of the profit on the sale and then say, by the way, we now own everything in the gallery. Like that's not how it works. Like you just split the, you split the profits on the sale and then everybody moves on with their lives. So yeah, I don't know how we ended up in that mess, but it's been like that since the seventies, really, maybe earlier. So what you're saying and, you know, is it's like, ripe for disruption. Yeah, absolutely, man. Like yeah, Prince was talking about this kind of shit in the eighties. How it's wrong, you know. And now it's like we've got a way out. I think we've got an avenue to to use and to bring some fairness back into this. You know. Yeah, I think you kind of touched on this, but I, I mean, in the, at least in the short or medium term, we're going to see probably a lot more friction from record companies, from these different folks who sit in the middle now who stand to lose substantially all of what we're talking about. What, I mean, you kind of talked about, you know, not having these things in your contract and now you're free given that you're not on island anymore. But what advice do you have for artists that kind of are stuck in that or like what kind of friction do you see in this shorter medium term that, you know, we're going to have to overcome to kind of keep doing this? Uh, I'm not sure I have any advice for someone who's in a contract because it, it's so specific like on an individual level yeah. as to what your contract says. So you'd have to speak to your lawyers about that if you're you know, wanting to do something in this space and see what that looks like. But yeah, if you're not, or you're just in more of like a licensing deal or a distribution deal, something less all-encompassing, yeah, definitely look at this space. Um, if you're a brand new artist, like just starting out and you know, you, you've got a small fan base on your socials, let's say, but you haven't done any releases, I think this is a super exciting thing for those people. And another reason why I'm, I want to do this is because it's the number one question I get asked on Twitch and Discord all the time. Like, where shall I put my songs? How do I get noticed? Like, how do I do all of this? Like, how do I just get off of zero? Because once you're off zero and you start gaining momentum, you know, you're, you're kind of going then. But getting off zero is hard. Um, and I would say that looking at this space in a collective ownership way is super interesting. Like, if you were to auction off your first song to your first hundred fans, let's say, and they all, you know, collectively own the rights to that song. So you get paid, so you can go on tour and do some shows for that song. And then everyone gets paid for the rest of time. Once you start to build momentum on that first song, everybody wins. The fans who supported you from day one, you, because you got paid from them instead of a label. So they don't own you. They just own that song. And then you can go and buy your, you know, your van, your guitars, whatever you need to get on the road. And then everybody who was there at that beginning moment wins forever and probably all becomes mates as well because, you know, you did it together. There's no, like, label who are like, here's your money, 
but like now we own more than you do, even though you made it all. You know, it's 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 yeah. much more fun than that to do it with a fan, not a big giant corporation. You know, even if you've only got like five or six fans, try it. Like, make the NFT, give give it all to them equally. See what happens. It's so new, I can't tell you if it will work, but it's the freshest, best idea I've heard in a long time. Might even get more people to to try it out. Like being artists, like solo, like independent on themselves. You know, like the, it might incentivize or, or inspire them to do that versus like, ah, okay, I don't want to go yeah, down this great. traditional path. Yeah, great yeah. bootstrapping mechanism. Yeah, I guess you know, you, like the space is really intimidating, right, for new artists and you know, just even fans coming in. And I feel like you guys have done a really good job of like getting a good grip. Like even our conversation yesterday. You can tell that you spent, you know, days, weeks, like researching, looking around the space. Um, obviously, you, you know, gave a shout out to Blau, who's, uh, you know, helped, helped kind of, um, you know, take you down the rabbit hole. Like what, you know, what's the best way for artists to start, you know, interacting at Delphi, you know, other than subscribing to Delphi, obviously. But at Delphi, our approach is always like, um, you know, you need to kind of get your hands dirty, right? You need to start playing around with this stuff and you need to start making some mistakes. Um honestly as well because those are going to teach you you know, you know the most but you know what advice do you have for new artists and even fans who are trying to understand like how they they can start you know interacting with nfts and you know what's going on in crypto yeah so step one is you need to understand the technology that underlies it which is blockchain so watch some youtube videos read some articles on what the blockchain is if you're not familiar with things like bitcoin and cryptocurrencies you've got to understand that um, and once you understand that then you can start to look at what NFTs are. And I would say the best thing I read on that was probably the, the OpenSea NFT Bible. That's a really good piece. I think I read it maybe two or three times and then it really sunk in because it, it is quite full of like big words that you're not familiar with if you're just a musician like me and you know you haven't done any investing or stuff like that in the past. So give that a read. Um, yeah, YouTube's also your friend. Um, and, and just at the moment, it's a crazy Wild West kind of place. Everyone's making it and inventing things as we go. So there isn't really like, this is what you should do step-by-step guide. All you can do is really understand like what an NFT is and then think about like how you want to utilize that to either make money or get close to your fans or, you know, whatever it is. And at the moment, it's a race to sort of who can think of the coolest, newest idea. You know, I, I had the idea of doing a live auction with a DJ set and doing the like making a song live on Twitch and uploading it during one stream. You know, these are all just little things that I kind of was already doing, but I've just been early on it. So I've done it first. So get creative with it. Like see what, see what, you know, you can think of. Um, and then the next step would be just choosing an exchange to deal with and to actually like put your, put your NFTs out there. I personally have only used Zora at the moment, Z O R A, uh, dot co. I, I like them a, because they're quite good for, for small artists because there's zero upload fees, but they don't take a cut. They just let you do it. So that's cool. Um, they're quite early days too. So they're still developing the site a lot and they really care about like user feedback. You know, like every auction I've done so far, I've had like a few notes that I've sent over of what we could change and they really respond to that. Um, but yeah, the main thing is, you know, they're free to use. So that's good for a young artist because I remember like 10 years ago, you know, I was getting paid 300 pounds, 150 pounds for a show maybe. And, you know, at the moment, uploading NFT to the blockchain costs a lot. You know, there's gas fees there, which are pretty high. And, you know, they can be £100, they can be higher sometimes. So if you're a brand new artist and you, you know, like I was, with absolutely no money, um, that's a lot. So 
you want to find the cheapest place that's going to work for you. Um, and I think Zora is pretty good for that, you know, and yeah, but it, it, it got us all together anyway. <laughs> yeah. And I guess, you know, the last crypto question before we, uh, you know, bug you with some music questions that you were probably most eager to ask, you know, like NFTs as a whole, they're such a, you know, it, it's a own rabbit hole in itself, but like, are you looking at anything else crypto? Like, obviously there's a lot going on in decentralized finance, DeFi, um, there's social tokens, which I'm sure, uh, are probably pretty intriguing to use you guys as well, but what else are you looking at in crypto or is it solely, you know, focused on NFTs for now? Um, I'm really interested in Audius. Audius, I think as a platform is really cool. Um, they're looking at basically becoming like the first blockchain SoundCloud. So a streaming platform that's in the artist's favor, that's easy to split royalties, that's easy to remix people's songs and it all be fair and all that stuff. Um, I think they've got a great user interface as well. So Audius and any other company doing streaming type stuff, um, I'm really interested in, obviously. Um, I'm not really interested in like investment and shares and that whole world. You know, it's just, it's just not me. Like I'm a creative dude who likes making tunes in my bedroom. That's it, you know. So if it's music related, I'm in. Um, so I don't think I'll be looking at doing much stuff outside on the blockchain, but who knows? Like, I mean, literally six months ago, you know, I knew a bit about Bitcoin. That's it. So and things have changed a lot. So I don't know, man. I'm, I'm open. Um, yeah. Let's see what the future holds. All right. So you're not aping into shit coins right now. <laughs> <laughs> I look, I'm in a few WhatsApp groups with fucking Dylan Francis. So of course I have some shit coins <laughs> because he always tells you to buy the worst coin and then you do it. And sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. But I mean, we're talking tiny amounts of money, almost just for the memes at this point. You're you know? just like us. You're just like us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's the memes. The memes are yeah, it. Yeah, they're great. By the way, we got to give a quick shout out to Cooper um, from Audius, actually. Um, you reminded me because he put us in touch with you guys, like, I, I think less than an hour after the auction, which is like, you know, pretty insane. And also why we think this was such a ripoff um, as far as getting the face for 140 grand. But um, awesome. Um, you know, those are all the crypto questions. I guess we can move into the, you know, fun music questions for all the fans that tuned in that, you know, hopefully we kind of took down, um, you know, the crypto rabbit hole a little bit. Um, this is probably going to be your favorite part, but you know, Anch, Jan and I, we had a bunch of questions that we wanted to ask. This could be like a whole pot in itself, but you know, one of the first questions say, yeah, I wanted I've to got ask about, is that, I've got about just over 10 minutes left. So however you nice, want to nice. it, perfect. go for it. Uh, awesome. Yeah. My, my first question is like, you know, what's the most like underrated disclosure song in your opinion? Underrated. Oh man. Um, well, I think they're all fairly rated. I mean, I, I consider any song that's got like hundreds of thousands of plays, like at least rated slightly. Um, but yeah, for sure. Some of our songs have got hundreds of millions, which is crazy. I, I really like a, uh, a song on the second album called Willing and Able with Quobs. That's the one that I can still sort of put on in the car or like if I was at a dinner party. I just think it's quite a versatile song that works in a lot of places. And I don't really ever hear it out much, you know, it's not in restaurants or, you know, beach clubs and stuff like that. But I think it should be. I think that one would sit real nicely in those situations. So, yeah, I just love Quobbs' vocal. I think Howard's chords on that one are like amazing. I really like the swing of it too. Yeah, I just think it's interesting. But again, it's got like millions of plays. So I don't really know if it's <laughs> underappreciated. <laughs> I think we're going to have to come up with a accompanying playlist with this podcast. So yeah, right? that's yeah. the only way to do it at this point. Oh yeah. I, I wanted to ask like, 
What are you listening to right now? Just generally, I'm always uh, keen to hear anyone's inspiration or just what the what's what's on their ears right now. The best way for me to answer that question is for you and anyone listening to go on the Disclosure Spotify page, and there's a playlist on there called Disclosure's Record Bag. I update that like every day, nearly, and it genuinely is what I'm listening to, like in the car. It's the only playlist I use. I just have it on in my car. So whatever's on there, like, and I do it from the top as well. So whatever's at the top is literally what I'm listening to. So uh, at the moment, I think the top of the tune, the top of it is uh, probably my song with Doja Cat, which we just did, the remix. Um, that came out last that, Friday, right? Yeah, it came out like yeah. on the same day as the auction. It was a crazy day. Um, so that was fun. But yeah, so that, aside from that, I listened to a lot of like old disco, a lot of soul, um, old school hip hop. I do listen to a lot of house music, but not, so much like for pleasure at home because I kind of save that for the club. Um, you know, I, if I'm doing a DJ set like three times a week, that's pretty much what I play house and, you know, garage and techno. So yeah. I love that yeah. stuff. But I save that for the club. Um, so yeah, on there you'll find a way more eclectic bunch of music, which is, you know, not a direct, you won't, I don't think a lot of people will see the connection from song to disclosure, but it's all in the subconscious, you know, it's all going in somewhere. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I guess like what was the longest song uh, you guys made and what was the shortest song? Not like by length of uh, song length, but like as yeah. far as time spent on it. So we do work pretty quick. Um, I, I'm not really a fan of doing like multiple versions of a song, you know, changing the structure loads. Like a Frankenstein song for me is just not that enjoyable to make. I like the kind of flow state songs that just pop out of nowhere and you just leave them alone. I think most people do, to be honest. That's why people love demos so much, because the demo, like, is that version of the song. So, you know, there aren't really many disclosure demos because we kind of start and then finish. And if it's good enough, we'll put it out. And if it's not, we'll just scrap it. So um, I'd say the shortest song that we ever took to make was My High on the on the second, uh, on the third mm -hmm. album, sorry, with Amine and Slow Tie. That tune, I reckon the beat came together in 15 minutes. Um, Amine took a couple of hours on his verse. Ty took maybe 90 minutes on his verse. And that was that. Just pure like flow state, man. We just got the drums rolling. Yeah. How it did killer bass line. You know, the tune is literally like take the drums out, put them back in, take the drums out, put them back in, and just let those two just have at it on the vocal. So, and they, you know, they, they work quick as well. And they, they're like one take wonders. I think they did maybe two or three takes each. You know, it was just one of those times where it all came together really nice. That's nicely. crazy. Yeah. And then I'd say the the hardest song to put out. Oh man, what what took a lot of versions? It's hard to say honestly because, like I said, I just scrap them. If it's looking like it needs this or that changing, I'm like, let's just write another one. There's no there's no like limit to how many tunes we can make. You know, let's just keep going. Yeah, um, yeah I, I don't know. Birthday took took a couple of versions because Kalani wasn't on it originally. So, you know, there was like, I had to get rid of a whole Sid verse. Kalani's came in and we had them like both singing on the choruses and stuff. So that probably took like maybe three versions to get right, but it didn't change too dramatically. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. You know, Latch originally had a whole different pre-chorus that is like really bad, which we all knew was bad. <laughs> and we like, we, we got back to the studio the second day and we were all like, oh, that pre-chorus is not the one. So that had a, a rewrite. <laughs> But again, yeah, no like massive structural change. The chorus was there, the verses were there. Yeah, yeah. I just like to let them sort of flow out, man. And if, if it's not the one, write another one. I don't know. I'm yeah, just throwing cool. it out there. But an NFT of some of these throwaway songs that you're talking about, I'm sure would do wonders. I think a lot <laughs> of us would be keen to hear some of that. Yeah, we could definitely talk about doing some um, of like 
pre-2012 because from the point of me signing my album deal, I don't think any of those tunes would be very safe to put out. Sure. The label would have a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, right. for sure, before we were signed, there's a bunch. There's a bunch of tunes there that could potentially go out. That doesn't excite me as much, though, as just making new stuff. Sure, I, I like the idea of, you know, working with graphic designers and, you know, making some wicked art and, you know, they're making something new, so I kind of want to do the same, you know. I enjoy the process of making music so much that it's, you know, I don't really need to go back into the vaults. I'd rather just keep going. There. Damn. Yeah, I feel like Delphi might have to spin up a fund just focused on disclosure NFTs, you know. <laughs> That's fine with me. Please, please go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, uh, you know, my last question, unless, you know, Jan, Ansh, you, you got anything, um, is obviously the question on top of, you know, all our minds, like, you know, when's the next show? You know, when can we start, you know, leveraging this space that we bought? Um, I think in the UK, there'll be shows this year. Um, it's looking like small clubs are going to open small venues. I think there may even be a few festivals by the end of summer. Um, Reading and Leeds are like, Reading's the second biggest festival in the UK because you have Glastonbury. That's cancelled, but Reading is looking like pretty good, or at least 50-50. I mean, before it was 0%, so 50-50 is an improvement. Um, uh, in terms of the rest of the world, I think you'll see shows opening up on a per country basis, depending on how well they've rolled out the vaccine. You know, that's basically it. Um, so places like Israel are going to look like they're going to have shows for sure. Australia and New Zealand are already doing it. It's just, you know, a bit of a nightmare to get there um, with the quarantine rules. Uh, Miami's pretty damn open, so we could probably come play there whenever we want. <laughs> but that's just more of a like, let's just see what happens kind of situation. So I don't know if we'd uh, you'd probably receive some backlash in the UK at least if you did that now. So yeah, by the time the end of the year rolling into next year for sure, I think we'll be we'll be up and running. Um, definitely having more email and offers coming in now than we were six months ago. That's for sure. So there is hope. Nice, that's great to hear. And I guess the last thing uh, you know, I actually have to ask. Um, otherwise fans would definitely be upset is, you know, when's the next uh, album coming out? I know, you know, you guys just put out something three months, uh, six months ago and, you know, you were already kind of being like, yo, Neil, you're really impatient in uh, our group chat, but um, <laughs> yeah. g g give us some insight, you know? I mean, I have none. I have no insight here, bro. Nothing exists <laughs> yet. You know, that album took me two years to make. It's been six months. So uh, I can tell you at this point, I haven't made a single song that's going towards the next album. Um, I've just been doing a lot of stuff on Twitch, you know, doing a lot of teaching, a lot of breakdowns, a lot of, you know, sharing information about how we've done what we've done. That's been my focus. I think getting to that 10 year mark of like, we've now been going for 10 years, sort of set off a light bulb in my brain of like, all right, it's time to sort of give back. And in a year where we can't do shows, like let's be teaching, like let's be sharing information, you know, not just, just focusing on the next album. Um, but now I'm back in the UK, I'm with Howard. That's going to be the next thing. So we'll, we'll be getting to work on that um, as soon as possible. Um, but I can't really give you a time frame. You know, it's, it's done when it's done. <laughs> All right. I, I had to ask. But um, yeah, Guy, I mean, this has been an absolute pleasure. Um, appreciate you hopping on the pod with us. And you know, thanks for selling us your face. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Honestly, it was so much fun. I enjoyed the auction. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we, uh, you know, all own it together. And whatever happens next, whenever you guys have uh, had enough disclosure shows that it will pass on to the next person and everybody wins again. It's such a great system, you know? And yeah, really happy it went to you dudes. You're all, you're all really cool guys. Appreciate, appreciate that. that. Really appreciate that, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we'll talk soon. Appreciate the time. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks Take everyone. Care. Take care. Have a good one. All right. Nice one, guys. Speak soon. See ya. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the podcast. 
If you enjoyed it, please support the show by hitting subscribe on iTunes, writing a review, or sharing this episode on Twitter and LinkedIn. And stay tuned for our next episode out soon.